Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. So hey, I wanna dive into this message here today. I'm excited to look at this part of the Christmas story. The series that we're in, we're calling it Incarnate, God's Heart for Humanity. If you're here last week or you watched the video last week, I got many comments from several of you. Like I was, when I did my little video announcement last Sunday, and I was standing in front of the sign out there in the lobby, and, it, and somehow I had blocked the words and it said, God's Fart for Humanity. <laughs> And I got people, a bunch of you saw it, you messaged me, I got pictures of it. Yeah, it's great. So today, I'm not going to talk about that today, but I will talk about God's heart for humanity. (laughs) Because that's what the incarnation shows us, as God comes to be among us, to show us who he is. That word incarnation, it's a big word. This is what it literally means. It means embodiment in flesh or enfleshment. That's incarnation. So when it comes to theology, it's, it's a doctrine that refers to the eternal Son of God taking on human flesh and entering our world. Jesus is God in the flesh and was both fully man and fully God at the same time. That's kind of like one of those mind-blowing, like, I can't even comprehend that, right? Like, how does that even make sense? But it makes sense that it doesn't make sense because God, if he really is God, wouldn't make sense to us, Right? Is this God? And how he works is beyond our comprehension. And a lot of people struggle with this Christmas story. Now, truth is, most people don't have a problem with the story itself, like this cute baby Jesus thing. Like, that's very unoffensive, isn't it? I think it's why a lot of people like Christmas time, because they, you know, we talk about baby Jesus, and you can't be offended by a baby. That's pretty difficult. And you got all these songs that are talking about this baby and declaring him as king. And I, that's why I love Christmas, by the way. You got the gospel being declared in our malls and our restaurants. Everywhere you go, you know, you turn on to 99.9, if you like, listen to that station this time of year. And they're declaring the gospel through these songs, except for when it deviates to like, last Christmas I gave you my heart, the very next day. You're like, what? what is, that's a stupid Christmas song. I don't know why they keep playing that. Then it comes back to like, King Jesus is here, you know, like, yeah, there we go. The gospel's being declared all Christmas season, and I just, I love that about this time. And so people kind of get nostalgic about it. They have the feels about it. You got baby Jesus and all that, but they have a hard time really, really believing it. A lot of people do, because the story's crazy. Let's like acknowledge the odd of this story. Like a virgin was born, or a virgin (laughs) gave birth to a baby, the baby was born, and this baby happened to be God, and people are like, yeah, right. Like, doesn't make sense, like, that's that's pretty far out, isn't it? Like, that's a stretch, that's like, how can I even believe in this, like, God becoming a human, and this girl, she was a virgin, but she still had a baby, Like, like, people do not believe that, but here's how I handle that story. Like, I really believe 
that there's tremendous evidence that there's a God who created the universe and created mankind and gave us life and purpose. And, and he did that because he loves us. And he's the one that created all the plants and the animals. And he spoke the universe into existence. And he created all of us. And if he can do all of that, I think a virgin birth is, is pretty simple for him, to be honest. If he, think, if he can think all this up and then create it, virgin birth, that's nothing. But yeah, it is, it's miraculous. But so is the creation of the world. So is your life. The fact that you and I are alive, that is miraculous. And this is another just part of the miraculous story of God. And we see God's heart in this because God enters our world and becomes one of us to show us his heart, to show us who he is, and to redeem us back to him. You know, that's why he came, right? Like, the, this world we live in, it's pretty jacked up, isn't it? It's broken. Like, we got wars. It's, it's crazy. I think everybody would agree, like, we live in a broken world. Why is it like this? It's not fair. It doesn't seem right. And the reason we have that longing for, this, for, for a perfect life is because God placed that inside of us. Because originally, that's what he made. He made the world perfectly. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with each other and with their creator, with Father God. And then their first rebellion, their first act of sin broke the world. It brought a curse into the world and it broke everything. That's when death, disease, heartache, all of that, all of that entered the world through sin. That happened in Genesis chapter 3. You can read about it. It's called the fall of man. But what you see in Genesis chapter 3 is God immediately had a plan to restore humanity. You can see God's heart all the way through the Bible, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, which we'll look at today. God's heart is all the way through. The, the moment we broke it, God's like, I got a plan to fix it. You read through Old Testament, and it all points ahead to the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. Then he comes. He's born of a virgin, just like the prophets foretold hundreds of years before. And Jesus lives the sinless life. He, he preaches, he teaches, he hangs out with people, he heals. He says, the kingdom is here. And then he dies on a cross, but then he conquers death. He rises from the dead, proving to us that he actually is God. And he did all that because he loves us and he wanted to restore us back to relationship with him. And so that's why he died. See, in the beginning, God said, don't sin, don't do this or you'll die. And they didn't physically die immediately, but immediately they spiritually died. That relationship with their father, with their creator, was broken. There was an immediate spiritual death, but the physical death did come eventually. And so everybody who has sinned, which is all of us, have been sentenced to die because of our sin. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to come, and I'm going to do that for you. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we have new life in him. We're born again, as Jesus says. And what happens is we're reconciled back into a relationship with God, our loving Father. This is an amazing story, guys. The Bible is an incredible story. I love that. And the moment you and I put our faith in Jesus, something incredible happens that sets Christianity apart from any other religion in the world. His Spirit comes and sets up residence inside of us. The Spirit of God lives in us. So this isn't about following rules and doing good things to earn our way to heaven, to earn a relationship with God. No, it's receiving it by faith through grace, in Jesus, and then his presence comes and lives inside of us. And he is with us no matter what. This, this story's incredible, guys. I love this. And so I just love looking at the Christmas story because it's the beginning of the redemption portion that God brought for us. And we're gonna have some fun looking at this today. And 
one of the overarching themes of this whole series is, is we go because Jesus came to us. We want to be people who go and we live on mission. We want to be people who are not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of Jesus. And so I don't mind sharing Jesus with people because of all that he's done in my life. I don't mind praying for people uh, because he came to me and he changed my life. And the Christmas story is a reminder that he came to earth 2,000 years ago to start the redemption process for us. But then you and I can continue in that first by receiving it and then by telling it. So we go because he came. So that's the overarching theme of this. And I'm excited to look at this story of Simeon and Anna. This is such a cool part of the Christmas story. Maybe a different part. Maybe you've never really looked at this part of the Christmas story very closely. And so if I were to say, this is what the message is in one sentence, here it is. The Spirit will always lead you to where Jesus is. So it's been eight days since Jesus was born, and Joseph and Mary need to take Jesus to Jerusalem because he's got to be circumcised, and he's going to be dedicated in the temple to the Lord. And so that's where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 2. You can go there with me, or you can follow along on the screen here. But this is where we run into two very fascinating people, Simeon and Anna. Like, these guys are awesome. So let's look at the story here again. We'll just walk through it slowly to remind us what's going on here. Verse 25 at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout. Uh, well, he was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Interesting. So Simeon was a man who could hear directly from God. God literally spoke to him and said, you won't die before you see the Messiah. And how was that possible? Because the Spirit was upon him. For whatever reason, this is Old Testament, so Old Covenant. The New Covenant is just beginning here. And in the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people. Nowadays, we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. But the Holy Spirit has come upon him for whatever reason. And that wasn't normal for these days. In fact, before the New Testament, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are said to be 400 years of silence. God wasn't speaking to his people or through prophets. As best as we can tell, God didn't say anything to his people, except for Simeon. Simeon had heard from God for himself. God spoke to him about seeing the long-awaited Messiah before he died. And so we see Simeon here. He's an older man, yet he's faithfully serving the Lord. He's holding on to this promise that God had spoken to him, who knows how many years earlier. And because of that, Simeon doesn't miss out on seeing what a lot of people miss out on seeing. He gets to see the long-awaited Messiah. And I love his example, because here's, here's a man who's later in his years, and he's not just worried about living for himself, just relaxing, I've worked hard. He, he wasn't focused on living the retirement life. He's still living the kingdom life. He's still faithfully devoted to the Lord. He's living by the Spirit. And we see one day, on the only day it could have ever happened, the Spirit led him to the temple. And he had an encounter that fulfilled the promise that God had spoke to him years ago. And so let's just look at that one verse again. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. This is the only day it could have happened. Thankfully, he was in tune with the Lord that day. So the Spirit leads him to the temple, 
And there he encounters this long-awaited Messiah that had been prophesied and waited for hundreds of years, for generations. Spirit leads him to the temple, and there is the Messiah. He recognizes who baby Jesus is. This is the Messiah. And what's interesting to me about this story is you notice who's not there in this story. Because there's a lot of people that have been studying and learning about the Messiah. They're teaching all the people the Messiah is going to look like this and look like this and look like this. And there's a lot of religious leaders that knew all about the Messiah, but they didn't see him. They missed him. But here's this perhaps overlooked guy who just is faithfully devoted to the Lord, led by the Spirit, and he is the one who gets to encounter the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? You see, we can have all the knowledge of Scripture. We can theologically explain doctrine. That is all good. But what really matters is that let you, you got to let the Spirit lead you in life so that you can have these Jesus moments like Simeon is having, right? Because I think so often we get stuck in our head and just living on our own strength, and we just intellectually agree with there is a God, or I just sometimes I, I, I follow him, or I worship him, or I pray to him, and I think about him. But when I'm led by the Spirit, that's when I get to actually see him and experience him and encounter him. So we got all these religious leaders. They're probably doing really good things that day. They're probably fasting. They're praying. They're praying for the one who actually is in the temple. They could even be serving the poor, doing really good things, but they missed the Messiah because they were preoccupied with their stuff, with their life. And so we see Simeon here. He gets to encounter the Messiah because the Spirit leads him there. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to do in your life this week. I think he wants to lead you by his spirit so that you can have Jesus moments like that this week. The spirit will always lead you to where Jesus is. And I'll give you two reasons I believe that. Number one is this. Jesus is working in the lives of people all around you. He's working right now. Even when you don't see it, he's working. He's speaking to them. He's revealing himself to them. He's drawing people to himself. These are your your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, even family. And so the Spirit wants to lead you to these people. In Disciple Maker, we call them people of peace. God's already working on their heart. And all of a sudden, you, you just feel prompted to connect, to talk, to reach out, to pray, whatever it is. I'll never forget this one friend of mine. God laid him on my heart, and so I reached out to him. I hadn't seen him in about a year and a half, actually. And so I said, hey, let's get together for coffee. Let's catch up. And we got together, and we were just talking, catching up, and I threw out what the Lord had been laying on my heart for him. I said, hey, man, I've been thinking about you, and just wondering if you'd want to get together and read the Bible with me. And he gave me this funny look. He's like, hmm. He's like, that's interesting you would say that, because I've been thinking about spiritual things lately. Those were his words. He's like, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, let's do that. Why not? And so I got to study the Bible with someone who doesn't even believe in Jesus. He believes in God. He believes that God's out there. But we read through the Bible. I'm telling you, he's, he's growing. He hasn't put in his faith and trust in Jesus yet, but he will. But he's on this journey. But it all started because I just felt like I'm just going to reach out and see because I felt like I needed to invite him into this relationship to read the Bible and talk about it. I'm telling you, the Spirit will, will always lead you to where Jesus is. And Jesus is working in the lives of people all around you. And then, number two is Jesus is present in every person, 
you connect with and serve. Did you know that? And I believe that because this really echoes the words of Jesus himself. He said this. He, in a parable titled the, the Final Judgment, in my translation, this is how it culminates. It says, then, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison or visit you? The king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Whenever you and I serve, connect with people, we are doing it to Jesus. And we can often have the same response. I didn't realize that. What, what did I do that for you, Jesus? But Jesus says, whenever you do it for them, you do it for me. Everything we do for other people, we do it for him. Because he's present in every person that you connect with and serve. He's always working the lives of people around you. I really believe the Spirit wants to lead you this week to where Jesus is. Because that's what he does. That's what he did for Simeon here in the story, right? I believe he wants to do that for you. And here's what happens. When you have those... Jesus moments, those Jesus encounters, you always end up just praising God. Like, God, that was awesome. I love that, because that's exactly what happened to, to Simeon here. Did you see, you see what his response was? He said, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation. Everybody say promised. That's a key word that we'll come back to in a few moments. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. See, when you have Jesus encounters, you'll have a response like that every time. Thank you, God, that was awesome. I praise you because that wasn't me, that was definitely you. And that's what Simeon is doing right here. He just breaks out, just praising God. You know, it's this happens so often within our disciple maker groups as people are out there just sharing their faith and connect with people and we'll get messages in our disciple maker groups like, guys, you never, never uh, guess what happened. I shared my faith with somebody, invited them to join my go group and they came. And we're just celebrating with them and they just wanna share with us and celebrate with us but it always results in like, God, you're awesome. In fact, this last week, our friend Viet, he was in part of disciple maker. He had one of those moments and he messaged our disciple maker group. He's like, guys, I got to lead my first go group. I invite, he'd been praying and believing for a couple friends. And he didn't just have a couple friends. Five of his friends came to this go group, which is just a Bible study that he invited them to and they had a great time. And, and so he messaged our group and we're just like, great job, Viet, you know, congratulations. And just was one of those moments where we're celebrating because that's what happens when we have these Jesus moments. We step out in faith and we see him show up. We're like, God, you're awesome. In fact, you jump ahead to, the, to Anna's story. Anna had the same response. Verse 38, she came along, and just as Simeon was walking or talking with Mary and Joseph, she began praising God. So she had the same, same response. All right, so let's look at the rest of, of Simeon's story here. This is what happens. This is interesting. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So, Simeon begins to prophesy right here, 
And in a sense, what he's saying is, hey, this baby Jesus story, it's not going to be like this all the time. It starts off pretty cute. That's why we like it during Christmas time. It's comfortable. It's cute. But the, the Jesus story begins to change, right? He's going to cause, is what Simeon's saying, he's going to cause the upheaval of leadership and authority. All of his followers will be persecuted. And then he looks at Mary. He says, you're going to go through immense pain. I mean, think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, sitting at the foot of the cross, watching her son be crucified by the governing authorities. And seeming in this moment, eight days into baby Jesus' life, says, and a sword will pierce your soul. What's interesting to me is that Simeon says this to Mary, not to Joseph. Because if you're familiar with the story of, of Jesus, when you read about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all those gospels about Jesus' life and, and ministry and his death and his resurrection, you notice that Joseph isn't around when Jesus is an adult. Somehow Joseph dies, he's gone. We don't even know why or how, but Mary's there all the way through. In fact, Mary's there when the church starts in Acts chapter 2. When the, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit's poured out, Mary's in that room. She gets baptized with fire by the Holy Spirit, speaking other languages, speaking in tongues. Mary was there, the mother of Jesus. Simeon somehow knows and begins to prophesy, not to Joseph, but to Mary, and a sword will pierce your soul. And that happened many times over for Mary. And it happens to all of his followers. You know, there's going to be times in life where a sword's going to pierce your soul going to happen, where life just hits. Like, we plan for not those moments. We plan for the happy moments, the comfortable moments, and the successful moments. Those are the ones we plan for, right? We don't plan for the hard moments, the painful moments, the moments when life doesn't make sense, when it hurts. We don't plan that the sword will pierce your soul. You, life will happen. Jesus doesn't promise smooth sailing your whole life, but he does promise he will be with you. He does promise that he will strengthen you. He does promise that you can make it through his strength because he is with you. And he does promise, friends, that he's coming back. So we got to hold on to his promises. And just know that when life doesn't make sense, we just cling even closer to him. And so let's finish the story here. Let's go to, go to Anna. Again, really, two really cool people in the Christmas story. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. I don't recommend you saying that to a woman, <laughs> but it's in the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible here, okay? <laughs> this is my mom. She's very old. Her, <laughs> her husband died when, she, uh, when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow. To the age of 84, she never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. I believe Anna is in the Bible because the Spirit wanted to highlight somebody and elevate somebody that other people wouldn't. Here's a lady who's old. She's single. She's probably overlooked but she's faithful. And what an what a amazing moment that we get here with this prophet, Anna. And by the way, I think this shows that God is not anti-single. It's important that we know that, right? Okay. God's not anti-single, right? Like 
Marriage is a gift from God, and singleness, I really believe, is a gift from God. Okay? Being single actually can be a great benefit. Paul goes on rants about that. Like you can serve the, serve the kingdom as a single person, maybe even more fully, right? So regardless, single, married, maybe you're single, but you still really want to mingle, whatever. <laughs> Here's what you need to understand. God works through the faithful. And that's who Anna is, faithful, faithful. And I'll read just this one last verse here. She came along as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God, and she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. She went immediately out and started telling people, I saw the Messiah. He's here. I saw him. I saw him. She went and told everyone who had been expecting. Remember our overarching theme of this series. We go because Jesus came to us. Anna is an example right there. She encounters Jesus, and she goes and she tells people about Jesus. We're called to do the same thing. So I love this story because it highlights two faithful people. And they were among the few to see Jesus in this season of his life. Everybody else missed out. Not Simeon, not Anna. And I pray this week that you see Jesus at work in your life. I pray that you have those Jesus moments, those Jesus encounters that cause you to say, thank you, God. <laughs> that was awesome. Because the Spirit's leading you to where you're going to see Jesus. You know, there's so many people that missed Jesus, not just that day, but throughout his life, they missed him. They were preoccupied with the wrong things, with the wrong stuff. Some of them were even doing good religious stuff. And you and I can be caught up in the religious motions and still miss Jesus and still miss seeing him and seeing his, his face and having these Jesus moments in our life. I just pray the Spirit fills you and the Spirit leads you this week that you have so much that you have Jesus moments. This week, that's my prayer for you. And, and here's just, as we end here, I'll give you two keys. Two keys to seeing Jesus more in your life. And number one, I already mentioned, I want to say it again, hold on to God's promises. Hold on to his promises. God had told Simeon in the story he would see the Messiah before he died. And we don't know how long God had spoke that to Simeon. It could have been decades. But what we do know is that he is old in years. And he still holds on to that promise. The Spirit is leading him in life. And he has the fulfillment of that promise as he sees the long-awaited Messiah which is why he declares a praise in God. He's like, okay, I can, die. I can die now. I've seen the Messiah. I know that God has spoken to many of you. He's given you promises. And I just want to encourage you, hold on to those promises. Hold on to promises that he's spoken to you. Don't let go. Don't give up. He is faithful. You know that? He is faithful. Hold on to those promises. Stand on them, uh, pray them, and declare them over your life every single day. Hold on to those promises because he is faithful and he will fulfill those things that he has spoken to you. Come on, hold on. And maybe you're like, I, I don't know if I've ever heard God speak to me. I, I don't know if he's ever given me a promise. I would encourage you to go to the Bible because the Bible is full of hundreds of promises for you that he has written down for all of us so that we can know clearly 
here's a promise, here's a promise, here's a promise. I mean, just, just, I mean, I give you permission to Google promises from God in scripture. And then just go to a, a website that looks legit, feels legit, okay? But there are so many promises that you can begin to declare and pray over your life. God has so many promises for you. Hold on to his promises. I, I think maybe the best promise is found at the end of the Bible, Revelation, the last chapter, chapter 22. I love these sentences. In fact, I just love Revelation. What would the Bible be if we didn't have Revelation? A year ago, we ended a whole series through the book of Revelation that was just crazy and cool at the same time. But these sentences maybe are two of the most important promises for us to hold on to. Verses three and four, Revelation 22. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. That, my friends, is a profound statement. Because you and I have never experienced life and we've never seen the earth apart from the curse that is still on it. Jesus has come and he will make you and I new, but in the end he will make all things new and the curse will be lifted, it will be broken, it will be gone. We have never experienced life as it was intended to be without a curse. And in that moment, no longer will there be any curse. That is a very profound statement and promise within scripture. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. Friends, that is a promise from God. I pray that the Spirit leads you to see Jesus this week. But let's be real. These moments where we see Jesus here in this life, it's just glimpses. It's just little glimpses of the heaven, of, of, of his kingdom, right? But in the end, we will see fully and completely. You will see his face fully and completely. That is a promise you can hold on to. Don't let go of that promise. Because you will, you stay faithful. You keep following him. You will, fall, you will see him face to face in the fullness of his glory. That's going to be an amazing thing, guys. Amazing. The second thing I'd encourage us to do is this. Cultivate a spiritual hunger. You think about these two people, Anna and Simeon. Anna, she was always at the temple. What was in the temple? The temple was where the presence of God was. She always stayed close to the presence of God. And it said she worshiped and she fasted and she prayed. And there she was on that day, still fasting and worshiping and praying. And she sees the Messiah and she busts out and just, just prays. And then she goes to tell everybody about it. But she, it's, it's because she had this hunger to be close to the Lord. And you see, Simeon, here's a man who just is led by the Spirit. And it's important that you and I cultivate a hunger for him, a spiritual hunger. The truth is you and I have a hunger for something right now. And our hunger leads us in a certain direction in life. And I just, I hope that you have a hunger for the Lord and a hunger for his, his presence. There's this life principle that I've lived by for years, and it's this. What we feed on is what we hunger for. What we feed on is what we hunger for. You see this in food. You long for the food that you've been eating for the last several years because you just like that food. Healthy or not, that's what you long for. So what you feed on is what you hunger for. It's spiritually, but it's also emotionally, mentally. It's spiritually, some of us. 
we can't forgive people because we just want to hold on to that because we actually like the feeling that we get of that hatred and that bitterness towards that person, so I won't forgive. And so I just, I keep feeding myself that and that's what I long for more of. Some of us, you know, we have these moments in life where it's just, it's a little pause, standing in line somewhere and what do we do? Pull out our phone. We're just like scrolling, you know, and it's like, we're just, I don't know, we're just trying to fill the empty space in life. And why do we do that? Because that's what we've been doing for the last several years. And when we're tired or we go home and we, you know, we just want to watch TV. Why do we long to go home and watch TV? Because that's what we've been doing. And so sometimes we got to rearrange our habits. We got to cultivate a spiritual hunger for the Lord and, and, and change our spiritual appetite, begin to feed your faith, begin to feed yourself from his word, just enjoy his presence, come, become addicted to his presence. Let's cultivate a spiritual hunger like these two did because I pray that you would see Jesus more and more and more and more in your life. And how often do we miss Jesus because we're just preoccupied. We're preoccupied with all this other stuff we're feeding ourselves, and I'm gonna feed myself this. But, and Jesus, we can be missing out on what Jesus has for us in moments. Maybe if it's, it's even a simple moment to just stop and pray for somebody instead of picking up our phone and filling the empty void with information. I came across a book this week by a really cool dude named A.W. Tozier. The book is called God Tells the Man Who Cares. And I started reading it, really interesting book. The whole premise of the book is this, is that God speaks to those who take time to listen. That's really all it was. God tells the man who cares, and I pray that we'd be people who care. Like, God, I wanna hear from you. I wanna be close to you. God speaks to those who just simply take the time to listen. Let's be listeners of the Lord. Let's cultivate a spiritual hunger in our life. Please know this, friends. The Spirit will always lead you to where Jesus is. The Spirit will always lead you to where Jesus is. Would you stand with me right now? We're going to pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.